Thank you for listening in today. Christianity is a lifestyle, and central to that lifestyle is making and keeping prayer a priority. Victory in Christ Jesus comes from obedience to our sovereign God in these key areas. There is no better time to start than today. Listen closely as Pastor Rander speaks to us from the Word of God. Have pen and paper handy as you will want to take notes. Let us pray. And Father, we thank you for a blessed opportunity to stand and preach a precious gospel that belongs exclusively to you. And I'm just so thankful that you've called me uh, to be a part of your special program in this kingdom of yours. I'm just amazed that you use me, but I'm sure grateful. Help me now. Fill me with your spirit. Restrain the work of the enemy. Help me to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for for what the gospel is going to do as it's being dispensed through the airwaves, through social media, to people in America and beyond. We bless you now in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Today's text is found in the gospel according to Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. The gospel of Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. And there you'll find these words. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed And his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And from this passage, we want to preach praying through adversity, praying through adversity. In this particular chapter, Jesus finds himself headed toward a tremendous crisis. His earthly ministry is coming to a close. He is about to be betrayed by Judas, arrested in Gethsemane. Denied by Peter, put on trial in Pilate's court, mocked by soldiers and ultimately hung on a cross. Oh, what a crisis. In this passage, Jesus is praying to his heavenly father as he prepares to finish the work God assigned him to do. Beloved, there will come those critical times in life where we are right in the midst of adversity. Sometimes we're blessed to see them 
coming at us like a train. And at other times, it hit us from the blind side. We don't see it coming. Yes, it hurts. Adversity is often painful. Adversity is tough. And we do not always understand why. But what we can be sure of is that our God has it all in control. He is still on the throne. I reiterate, our God is still on his throne and he will see us through. Throughout our Lord's ministry, he lived in a spirit of prayer and even on the cross in excruciating pain and anguish. He did not stop praying even in agony on that cross. Jesus prayed. In this particular passage, Jesus is in Gethsemane, which is an olive grove located at the foot of of the Mount of Olives, where he and his uh, disciples often frequented to pray. I believe Satan and his demonic host all converged on the scene from around the four corners of the world. I can see in my own sanctified imagination Satan telling the demonic world, uh, uh, I, I want you to leave your post and I want you to come in on Gethsemane. He's there. He's he's almost at the cross. Do whatever it takes to foil his agenda. Come now, every demon, wherever you are, move now. Stop him at any cost. And I can just see in my own mind's eye all those demons coming in on Gethsemane to hinder our Lord from going to the cross. Surely it was a night of physical darkness, but even more, it was a night of demonic darkness. No angel or human could comprehend the intensity and agony of the moment as our Lord sweated great drops like blood falling down on the ground as described in the gospel of Luke chapter 22, verse 44, which says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What a moment, what agony, what anguish, what sufferings, what emotional pain mental anguish, physical strain, and the sheer weight of the emotional stress and pressure of the moment distressed the Savior to the point of a dangerous condition where the subcutaneous capillaries dilate and burst, mingling blood with sweat, which brought him to the brink of death. Because of our Lord's distress, anguish, and agony in Gethsemane, God the Father saw his beloved son in such emotional stress that in the gospel of Luke chapter 22, verse 43, Luke twenty-two forty-three, God sent an angel to strengthen the son of God, the savior of the world. The scripture says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him because of that tremendous moment of crises. Christ prayed in his crisis. Christ persevered in the midst of adversity. 
He pressed on in spite of what he was going through at that demonic moment. He pressed on, he pressed on, and he pressed on to Calvary. Beloved, since prayer was priority to Jesus, the son of the living God, then surely it must be priority to we who are weak, to those of us who are finite, to we all who are sinful. It was Dr. George Morrison who said, and I quote, Every life has its Gethsemane, and every Gethsemane has its angel. Jesus prayed through his own adversity. And my friend, wherever you are in life, if you're going through adversity, and I'm quite sure you are with the trials of the coronavirus, we too ought to take our cue from our Lord and pray our way through adversity. Jesus prayed. With that being said, what is prayer? Prayer is to humbly talk and commune with God. Prayer is to humbly talk and commune with Almighty God. Believers ought to pray about everything, being confident that God hears and answers prayers. Through prayer, God's children speak to him. Through prayer, God's children call on him. Through prayer, God's children cry out to him. We speak to him. We call to him and we cry out to him. Why must believers pray is the question I pose now. Why must believers pray? Why must Christians pray? Number one, because Jesus himself prayed. Jesus prayed, therefore, We as his children ought to pray in the gospel of Luke chapter 22, verse 41 and 41 a it says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed in humility to the heavenly father and being in agony. I mean, it wasn't a feel good time. He was in agony. The scripture says, and being in agony. My friend, when you are in agony, when you are hurting, when you're in pain, when things are happening beyond your control and you don't understand, when things that come into your life that brings about the agony of the soul, we must take our cue from Jesus and pray. As a matter of fact, the scripture says he prayed more earnestly. Jesus prayed more earnestly. In other words, Jesus modeled before his disciples, the priority of prayer. They caught the vision of prayer from watching the Savior. He prayed because of his intimacy with with the Father. Jesus and his heavenly Father operated in the spirit of unity and oneness. He prays to his Father because of the perfect communion and fellowship that our Lord and the heavenly Father had. Jesus prayed to the father because he was ever so dependent upon his heavenly father, even at the most crucial hour of agony and emotional anguish. And Jesus allowed absolutely nothing to interrupt his prayer life. He allowed absolutely nothing to interrupt his prayer life. I believe we're all trying to get there because 
We begin to pray and our minds wander and things happen and we find ourselves struggling to pray. But Jesus prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And we as believers must learn our lessons from the Lord and not allow distractions, not allow pressure, not allow crises or any other thing to keep us from praying to our heavenly father. As a matter of fact, dear ones, the closer we are to God, the more we will pray. The closer we are to God, the more we will pray. The further you are from God, if you're estranged from God, if your relationship with God is broken or is not what it should be, it creates a distance between you and God, a separation between you and God. The closer you are, In your communion with God, the more prone you are to pray to the Lord. Secondly, believers should pray because we are commanded by our Lord to pray. Jesus commanded us to pray. The scripture says in verse 46a, uh, it says, then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise. In other words, get up. It's time to get up and pray. Not only did Jesus himself spend time speaking to his father in prayer, he also commanded his disciples to pray because he knew the urgency and the power of prayer. Beloved, Satan will use anything at his disposal to keep us from praying because he knows the spiritual benefits that come through prayer. Prayer is a mighty weapon that believers are not using enough and Satan is frightened when God's People really in humility and contrition began to petition God in prayer. Furthermore, prayer defeats his devilish agenda against believers. Satan don't want us to pray because he has a devilish agenda against us. And prayer defeats the satanic agenda that Satan has against God's children. And he will do anything to keep us from praying because he wants us to fail. As a matter of fact, he wants us wiped out. Let me tell you the value of prayer. Prayer is just immensely valuable. What does prayer do? Prayer defeats Satan's devilish agenda against believers. That's what it does. You know what prayer does? It strengthens the believers. It makes us strong. We can't fight if we're weak. What does prayer do? It revives Christians. We're not stale. Uh, we're fresh. It, it Prayer refreshes us. Prayer cleanses us from sin. It purges us from sin. You know what prayer does? It cultivates intimacy with Christ. It draws us nearer to Christ. That's why Satan doesn't want us praying because he knows it. It draws us closer to God. You know what prayer does? It gives us wisdom in a wicked world with all kinds of satanic traps, demonic traps that are set around us to fall in. Why does Satan not want us to pray? Because he does not want us to have divine guidance. He doesn't want us to have divine guidance. He don't want us to have insight and understanding from God. He, uh, Satan didn't want us to pray because he don't want to see us having increased faith. Prayer increases our faith. It, it emboldens us. It, it makes us courageous. Satan doesn't want us to pray because prayer aligns our will with God's will. 
Sometimes Christians get out of the will of God, but when we pray and the more we pray, our will is aligned according to the word back with the will of God's holy will. You know what prayer does? Uh, it develops a healthy mind. So many uh, Christians are without a sound mind, unstable mind, confused mind, a weak mind, a carnal mind. Prayer causes our mind to become healthy and prayer brings brings about mental stability. And, and so many people have lost their minds and and they're they're hearing voices and they're unstable and they're in confusion. They're all over the place. But I tell you what prayer does. Prayer stabilizes your thinking. Prayer brings clarity, helps you to see things the regular person or the people of this world cannot see. You know what prayer does? It enlightens the mind. It illuminates the mind for you to understand the word of God. That's why you never pick up this book and not pray before you pick up the Holy Bible. Before I pick up the Bible and, and read, I always say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Help me to understand because I don't want to miss what God is saying to me. And I, I read slowly and I read meditatively and methodically because I don't want to miss divine insights, heavenly truths from God. Prayer enlightens the mind to understand God's word. You know what prayer does? It changes our behavior. Some people who say they are believers, particularly, uh, they say they've been saved 20 years, but they're acting worse. Uh, they, they're in leadership and they look like they're in regression. It's because they're not praying in the spirit. Prayer changes our behavior. You know what prayer does? It releases anxiety. It releases us from anxiety. It breaks anxiety. You worry less when you're praying. If you are worrying and worrying about this and worrying about getting Corona, worried about what's going to happen, worried about politics, worried about the stock market, worried about China, worried about touching this and that. And, and you're just a hot mess. But but prayer has a way of calming your anxiety, calming you down, giving you rest in the midst of a restless world. You know what prayer does? It enables you to behave righteously. You talk better when you pray. You hear better when you pray. You act better when you pray. There's some places you just won't go when you pray. Uh, uh, you have a spiritual posture about you that people can take note and notice that you have been with Jesus because you are praying. You behave righteously. The worst thing you can see on earth is a Christian that's misbehaving, not only in the Lord's church, but also before an onlooking world. You know what prayer does? It breaks addiction. It breaks addiction, the addiction of drugs, the addiction of alcohol, the addiction of pornography, the addiction of gossip, the addiction of jealousy, uh, all kind of addiction of uh, being addicted to television and news and social media and on and on it goes. Being addicted to talking too much, being addicted to selfishness and being addicted to food, fast foods and sweets and 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 junk and and malls and shopping and fashions, all of which are addictions. You know what prayer does? When you pray as, as Jesus prayed, you know what it does? Prayer reveals the truth about ourselves. See, a lot of times people won't tell you the truth about yourself. 
And a lot of times you won't even hear it. You get an attitude because can't nobody tell you nothing. But when you open that Bible and you humble yourself and you prayerfully read the Holy Scripture and you're praying in the Holy Spirit, prayer reveals the truth about yourself and settles you down. And prayer does uh, spiritual reconstruction on you till all of a sudden people say, well, what? You know, she looks differently. She's not the same person I knew. He's not the same person I knew. He's not agenda driven. He's speaking less and listening more. He's got a gentle, meek and quiet spirit. Prayer reveals the truth about ourselves and prepares us for spiritual warfare. Y'all, it's a conflict going on and it is an intense conflict between Satan and his demons and God and his holy angels. There is a spiritual war going on in the atmosphere, in the heavenlies and on earth and in the church and in your homes and in uh, in the workplace and, and in this country and in high places. Uh, corruption is everywhere because Satan is at work in nations. He wants it all wiped out and he's doing a real good job. My friend, if these items does not motivate you to pray, then Tell me what will. Tell me what will. Thirdly, Christian must pray because prayer restrains and keep us from yielding to temptation. Christians must pray because prayer restrains and keep us from yielding to temptation. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 46, B, it says, rise, get up and pray lest you enter into temptation. A deficient prayer life will cause us to become more vulnerable in yielding to temptation. Jesus commands us to pray because he knows the value of prayer. He tells us to rise and pray because he knows that we're strengthened spiritually through prayer. We're empowered by prayer and we persevere through prayer, which brings victory in the world. When we are praying, we'll have victory over the world. We'll have victory over our own fleshly desires and cravings. We'll have victory over Satan who wants to destroy us and tempt us away from the will of God through temptations. Uh, What makes prayer so powerful is that it enables us to resist resist Satan, resist demons, resist our fleshly appetites and walk and live the victorious Christian life to the glory of God. Verse 40b says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. If you are not praying, you are more prone to yield to temptation. Beloved, you are greatly deceived. I reiterate, you are greatly deceived. If you think you have become so strong that temptation and deception cannot get the best of you. I reiterate that is so huge and Satan uses it. You are greatly deceived if you think that you have become so strong that Satan's temptation and deceptions cannot get the best of you. In first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12, it says, If you think you are standing firm, you had better be careful that you do not fall, says first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. If you think you are standing firm, you had better be careful that you do not fall. My friend, you are not so strong that you cannot fall. 
I'll say it again. You and I, we are not so strong spiritually that we cannot fall. We need to be ever so dependent upon God, ever so dependent upon the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, ever so dependent upon the word of the living God, because we all are subject to fall. All the sins that are in this book from Genesis to Revelation, any of them we can do. We see the biblical characters committing many of these sins and God put these accounts in scriptures. He says, now you you learn from from the failures of others, lest you fall and do the same thing. You're not so strong that you cannot fall. As a matter of fact, when you think you are spiritually invincible, you are ripe to be exploited by the devil. When you think you are spiritually invincible, you are ripe to be exploited by that old devil. Number four, Jesus commands us to pray because we have an enemy who wants to destroy our lives. Jesus commands us to pray because we have an enemy who wants to destroy our lives. In the gospel of John chapter 10, verse 10, a, it says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. First Peter uh, chapter five, verse eight also says, be sober, be vigilant, which means be alert because your adversary, the word adversary means enemy. The devil, he is our enemy. The devil is not your friend. Stop playing in his camp. He's your enemy. He's up to no good. His aim and purpose is always to wipe you out. He's deceitful. He's a liar. He's the father of it. You're playing on dangerous ground when you're playing in the devil's camp. Because your adversary, the devil, that's what he is. He is your enemy. He is the enemy of your soul. And he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The word of God admonishes us to wait patiently on him and he will give us the desires of our hearts. We must pray, meditate, commune and wait on God. We must fight against the I, me and my right now syndrome that perpetuates today's society. God and God alone is the answer to everything. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and so much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.